My message this morning uh, is in the series of I Am. We're talking about the, all the I Am statements of Jesus. They're in the book of John. And Jesus says a lot of things. I am the good shepherd. And that's an important message. And I don't know if I've ever preached a message uh, that I've received more um, the attaboys on than that one last week. And if you weren't here, uh, evidently that was an impactful message to some people. And you may want to hear the fact that uh, Jesus says he is a good shepherd. And what we bore down on is that there is uh, uh, one flock, Jesus said in that passage, and there is one shepherd. And we bore down on that in the whole message. We talked about that Jesus is the bread of life, not the bread like stuff that keeps you alive, biologically alive. We said there's two words for life, and there's a word that is heart beating and blood flowing, but there's also a word that is like life. And I gave you the the example of, of Levi at five or six years of age sat down in our brand new two, then 2010 Dodge Caravan that smelled good and had all the bells and whistles and Levi and all of his five or six year oldness said, this is life. And Jesus said he's the bread of that kind of life. He's, and bread is sustenance. Bread is the basic staple of of. of of their diet, at least back then, and he's, he's, he's what gives you life with a capital L. And today I want to come to a, a statement of Jesus that is, uh, is I could think we could argue that it might be the most important of the I am statements of Jesus. I admit failure here at the very start. Um, I don't know if that makes you want to sit up and listen or not, but uh, I, this is hard to communicate. And um, if this is the first time that you've heard a message like this, you won't get it. Because uh, I, it took me several years of walking with Jesus and probably took me more than a decade of walking with Jesus before I could start honing in to a little bit of what I'm talking about today. Today's message is kind of touchy-feely. It's a little mystical, and I don't like mystical stuff. I like stuff I can, I can touch, I can feel where the rubber meets the road and concrete and step one, step two, step three, it's done and all that kind of stuff. But this message is not that way. My biggest fear today is that you're going to get done. Well, when I get done with this message, you're going to go, what do you think he was trying to say? And that's the biggest scary thought ever for a preacher, that we, we spend 35 minutes up here talking and everybody goes, I don't know what he was saying. So I want to kind of clear that at the very start and know that this is a tough subject to talk about today. And it's not one that's easily communicated and easily for me to be able to bring the cookies off the high shelf and bring them right down here where you live. But I'm going to do my very best and hopefully you can get a little bit of this. And this is the first time you've ever heard any, a teaching on this that uh, hopefully it won't be the last and you can continue to grow in your understanding of this the way I've grown in my understanding of this as well. On the last day, the last evening of Jesus's life. He had his disciples all gathered around him and I, it doesn't say specifically in the text but I, I imagine him taking him out for a walk and took him out 
on the outskirts of Jerusalem and he, he walked out to where there was a vineyard. And it doesn't say this specifically in the text. I'm just using, hopefully, my sanctified imagination. And I can see Jesus stopping at this vineyard, and the disciples were around him. And, and he, is, he points to a vineyard, and he gives a teaching about a vineyard. Now, this is the last night, and he's within the last 24 hours of his life. So his words would seem like be very, very important. Um, Last words, final words that people say are, are crucial. <laughs> uh, W.C. Fields, his recorded last words were somebody, he said he, he had a Bible in his hands. Now, if you know anything or remember anything about W.C. Fields, he didn't really, wasn't really a Christian or at least didn't show any fruit of that. And so somebody says, why you got a Bible in your hand? And W.C. Fields says, I'm looking for loopholes. And somebody says, that's the, was the, I don't know if that's true or not, but said that's the final words. And final words of people's lives are really, really important. And, and, and Jesus comes and takes them to this vineyard. And these, these disciples have no idea that before the sun rises the next morning, he was going to be arrested. They didn't have any clue about that. That, that, would, have, that would have been the farthest thing from their mind. This was the Messiah for them. This was the guy that was going to come and 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 was going to reestablish uh, the, the way that, that Jerusalem and Israel should absolutely be. But they had no idea that before the sun rose the next morning that he would be arrested. And before the sun sets, um, he'd be dead. And they had no idea of this. And Jesus knew all about this. He, he, he knew what was, what was coming. But the disciples didn't. The disciples had no idea that all the promises the disciples made, well-meaning promises that we're going to stay with you, come thick or thin, and they all might leave you, but I'll never leave you. And they had no idea that, that within a few hours they would all run like scared cats. But Jesus knew all of this. He, he knew what was coming. So what does he say to them? It seems like it would be a pretty important little talk he gives them you know what does he say does he tell them to 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 buck up and and hang in there you know that's probably what I tell my boys you know and I'm getting ready to go I'm getting ready to die but you know buck up hang in there you know that sounds like a good male thing to say you know does he tell them to roll up their sleeves and and get to work does he tell them to, to go get their weapons because, you know, the, the soldiers are coming? He doesn't say anything like that. <laughs> he literally starts talking about a vineyard. And that's in John chapter 15. If you have your Bible or if you have a Bible close to you, there's one by the doors. If you don't have a Bible or know someone that doesn't have a Bible, please grab that and take it to them. Uh, grab your device, whatever you need to do. John chapter 15. And um, verses 1 through 11 is the reading that we'll have. And Jesus says, and here's the I am statement. And he actually repeats it later in the verse. Listen, this, this passage, if you're really trying to track with me, this passage will have so much in it. This is a whole series of sermons. And I saw at least six sermons this week. And I'm not going to try to preach them all this morning, okay? You'll be glad about that. But there is so much in this passage. So you're going to say, well, why didn't he say that? 
Oh, why didn't he talk about that? It's because I don't have enough time. And it would, it would require a whole sermon of Sarah. So when you say something like, I'm the true vine, you would say, well, why do you say true? So what's the false vine? There's a teaching in that, but I don't have the 10 minutes to be able to address that. And I'm going to have to hit what I think is the absolute most important thing or things in this thing. So Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Vine dresser, I never used that word in my life. What does that mean? It means someone who takes care of the vineyard. That's all that means, okay? Someone who takes care of the vineyard. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, that's God, the vine dresser, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Here it is again, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is his last words now, okay? Before the sun rises tomorrow, he's arrested. Before the sun sets tomorrow, he's dead. Okay? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may remain, that my joy may remain in you, but that your joy may and that your joy may be full. You've got three players here. You got You've got God who's the vine dresser. He, he prunes, and, and the purpose of, of pruning or the purpose of even cutting off is to make the vine grow more and there, there would be more fruit. He, he coaxes and, and does what he does, and I've never understood pruning because see, I've seen some people prune some stuff, and I thought they've just killed it. Okay? Have you ever seen that? I mean, I have no clue about it, whether it's pruning a, um, this or pruning flowers or whatever it may be, and I thought they just... And they, but the purpose of pruning is to coax more fruit. The purpose of pruning is to make the whole vine more fruitful. So you have God and he's a vine dresser. You have Jesus Christ and he says he's a vine. Everything comes from the vine. Now, grapevine is almost, we would call it the trunk, okay? And, and, and I struggled with that for a while on several years back on vine because vines to me were kind of things up in the air but but a grapevine the vine comes from the ground and then the vine goes out and the branches go off of that so it's kind of like the trunk and it's in the ground and gets the nutrients from the ground and nothing happens without the vine just like nothing happens on a tree without the trunk and the, and the trunk feeds the tree and so forth and so on so you have Jesus as the true vine you have God as a vine dresser and you and me are the branches and the branches are there and on that branch is where the fruit comes you obviously if you look at through this passage it's 
it's the big deal is is fruit 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 talks about fruit talks about much fruit talks about no fruit talks about some fruit 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 all through the thing and the purpose of the vine the purpose of that grapevine is is to have grapes it is is to have fruit that's the purpose of it and, and Jesus, said, Jesus says that you will bear fruit. You'll bear some fruit, a little fruit, a lot of fruit, but you will bear fruit. It's a huge deal. Bearing fruit is a huge deal for Christians. Fruit is just good things that God does through us. And in this passage, it doesn't say it's good things that we do. It's, things, it's good things that we do when we abide in the vine. Forcing fruit is not the issue here. Staying connected to Christ is the issue. There's no commandment in this whole John 15 that says, go bear fruit. It's not there. If there's a commandment, and there is, abide in me. Abide in me. Now, there, there's, there's nothing that says you just need to go out there and force the fruit. How, what, how do you force fruit? When you think of fruit, you think of Galatians chapter 5, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and thankfulness and self-control. Maybe I left one out. I don't know. That's what, it's, it's, it's good works that the Christian does. It's things that flow from the Christian's life because God and because the Holy Spirit is, is, is working in you. And why do you give grapes on a grapevine? It's, it's because that branch is connected to the vine. So nowhere in this passage, friends, it's fascinating. This is as simple as it can be. But that was a fascinating thing for me when I first understood this several years ago. There's no commandment to go out and bear fruit. Go, church, bear fruit. You better bear fruit. You're not bearing enough fruit. Bear, 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 bear. Now that's condemnation. That's, that's not good news. Bear, you got to go bear. You're not bearing enough. I'm looking at your fruit. I don't see it. It's not good enough. That's not what it says. Abide. Abide. In fact, Jesus said in that passage, you remember? Unless you abide in him, you cannot bear fruit. Now, think of that. There's a lot of things I can do. If I wasn't a Christian, there's a lot of things I can do. I can go change a flat tire. I can, I can do a whole lot of things as a Christian. I can build a house. I can do a lot of things as a Christian. But Jesus says there's no fruit, which is of spiritual significance. That's what fruit is. There's nothing that you can do that's apart from me. You, you, you can go change oil in your car. and you can, you can go do some plumbing. But there's no spiritual significance to anything if you don't. Remain is the NIV, is that you don't remain in me or that you don't abide in me. It's impossible to, impossible to force fruit. The key is to stay connected to Christ. It's impossible to force fruit. I'm just going to be joyful today. I'm going to be Peaceful. I'm going to have self-control if it kills me. We laugh at that. Fruit is a byproduct. 
fruit is a byproduct. When you cling, when you are connected, when you hang on to me, when you abide. Ten times in seven verses. Abide, 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 abide. Ten times in seven verses. The Greek word that's translated abide means to dwell. It means to rest. Not rest like what I'm going to do this afternoon. It means just to, if it's in the second service, I say chill out. Y'all know what chill out means? It's just chill, man. I mean, it's just relax. To remain is the way that NIV says it. It's to stay there. It's to abide. It's, it's the, this is an old word that we don't use in our, in our language nowadays. Terry, T-A-R-R-Y. That's what the Greek word means as translated abide. And Jesus says, you know what the most important thing is? And I'm going to tell you now. I'm in my last 24 hours of my life. And, and the most important thing I want you to know is that you abide in me. You tarry with me. You stay connected to me. You stay with me. You dwell with me. You cling to me. You rest in me. How many times in Scripture do we have Paul saying something like, in Christ, in him, I can do all things. In Christ, in him, that's what we're talking about. And here's the touchy-feely part of it. You know, it's not like one, two, three, this is how you abide. Three-point sermon. He says, stay connected to me. Stay connected to me. And, and, and he says in the passage, if, if, if you no longer are connected to me, you're like a branch that gets cut off. There was no fruit on it, so he cuts it off. Stay connected to me. Abide. Dwell. Make it's, it's translated sometimes the same, same exact Greek word that's translated here, abide, gets translated sometimes home. Jesus says, make me your home. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go home, I take my shoes off. I get out of these clothes. I get comfortable. I relax. I don't have to comb my hair when I'm at home. If I have bad breath, it's not the end of the world. I am my authentic self at home. Let's, let's be truthful. I mean, this is not my authentic self. I, I don't dress like this. I mean, I, th this is not me. Me is somebody a lot more casual. Okay? Jesus says, make your home with me. Where, where you relax, where you are comfortable, where you chill out, where you let your guard down. where you're your real self, where you're authentic, where you're not trying to put on airs for other people, where you're not trying to look good for other people, where you just 
relax. He says, I want to be that for you. He says, I want to be that for you. Make me your home. Well, it seems like to me, like the highest calling that we have as Christians, the one aim that we have in, as Christians is to do that. But we hear a lot of talk in the Christian life and and. and and that we have to be world changers for Jesus. And you have you got a lot of churches that call the world changers church. And we've got to make a big difference for Jesus. And I've got to do something great for Jesus. And all that is, is, is good and it's okay. But it's fruit. And it's fruit. And Jesus says, the fruit comes by abiding. And if by abiding that God does something great through me, if by abiding that the, the community of Xenia is changed through me or through you, that's, that's cool. But the changing, the, the difference is not the deal. That's, that's the fruit. The deal is that you abide. And if you abide, fruit comes. And the, and the verse says, the Father is glorified by that fruit. One of the reasons I get a little bent out of shape by people that says, I want to change the world for Jesus, is I get worried that that's a little about me. And the text says, the Father is glorified by the fruit. Not me. Not me on all these things that I've done. Father is glorified by the fruit. Well, you see how we're up in here? You know, and it's just not really down where the rubber meets the road. That's my frustration with this. And the obvious question comes up now, well, how do you abide? That's, I mean, the obvious question. And so the preacher goes into his three-point sermon on three ways to abide in Christ. And the truth is, if, if I tell you how to abide and give you three ways to abide in Christ or five ways to abide in Christ, there's a, probably an infinite amount of ways to abide in Christ. I've got to leave some things out. And the way you abide in Christ and the way I abide in Christ is different because we're different personalities. We have different aptitudes. We have different backgrounds. And so I don't want to be this big boss man preacher that says, here's what I want you to do to abide in Christ. Because what I tell you that, here's what I want you to do. Because the text really doesn't say. It's, it, it, talks about, it talks about keeping his commandments and staying in his word. But it doesn't really say. Here I can point to the text. This is how you abide in Christ. So when I tell you how to abide in Christ, I tell you basically what I know. And what I know is how I abide in Christ. And how I abide in Christ and how you abide in Christ could be different. They're common denominators. An interaction with God's word. It's a common denominator. Prayer is a common denominator. But when and how and how long and who with and you know the best examples I see in all of God's word of abiding in Christ. And I can't remember right now off the top of my head where the scripture is. But scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Now, I think we all are smart enough to know that that doesn't mean that 
we're at the altar or I'm sitting in my lazy boy or I have my prayer journal or whatever. I think we all know that. It means a constant time with him. He's always there. I'm connected to him. I'm clinging to him. I'm remaining. I'm abiding. Pray without ceasing. He's there with me. And we can have a running conversation going all day. Whether I'm actually speaking the words or whether I'm just thinking them, he's there. I'm not alone. I'm abiding. I'm abiding. Prayer, worship, being part of a fellowship. All those things are are common denominators. But you've got to decide on your way how you stay connected to Christ. What fits you in your personality? In your aptitude, in just your style. And far be it for me to say, this is how I want you to abide in Christ. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Because it's not that easy. And that's my frustration with this message. So how do you stay connected? How do you stay part of the vine? Do you remember the passage in Genesis 2, maybe? You remember the passage in Genesis 2 where it said God walked with them in the cool of the day or the cool of the evening? I can't remember. That sounds like abiding to me. God came and walked with them in the cool of the evening. And then that was lost through sin. The best scripture I can take you to is Psalm 37. And I, I don't want to use this and, and teach this as this is how you abide, but I think this is a pretty good starter for us. There's a little man by the a little man, I don't know if he's little or not. There was a man by the name of Earl Lee. He was a Nazarene pastor in Pasadena, California. And he wrote a book called The Cycle of Victorious Christian Living. And he taught it out of Psalm 37. And it was impactful for me when I first read that. Let's read the scripture in Psalm 37. Do not fret. That sounds like abiding to me. I don't know. I spent an hour and a half last night with a person that frets. That person is 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 worst in me to themselves because they fret. And they they buy trouble and they fret. The Hebrew word here that gets translated, this little phrase, do not fret, it means to, to agitate, to wear down. And that's what worrying does. This person frets that I don't fret. And if I really cared, I'd fret. But my lack of caring shows up in the fact that I don't fret. But scripture says, 
do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they, should be, for they sh shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. That sounds like abiding to me. That sounds like abiding to me. Trust in the Lord and, and do good. Is that the whole Christian life right there? <laughs> Trust in the Lord and do good. Is there anything else in the Christian life other than that? Trust in the Lord and do good. And in do, doing good from our scripture here is not doing good. Go out and do good. Make sure you do a lot of good. You're not doing enough good. Do good. No, it's remaining. It's abiding. It's, it's being part of the vine. It's staying connected. So how do, how do you abide? You don't fret. Because if, if you're abiding and you're in a cycle of abiding, if you fret, you'll spin right out of that cycle. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. That sounds like abiding to me. I, I don't really know how to explain that, but that kind of sounds like abiding to me. Dwell in the land. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on safe pastures. The Lord is my shepherd, we said last week. I shall not want. That sounds like abiding to me. I wish, I wish I was smart enough to say, here's step one, step two, step three. This is how you abide. Do this and you'll abide. But if I give you a do this, that's just another thing for you to do. That's just another list. That's just another thing that you, that you have to crowd your day with. And that's not abiding. That's not dwelling. That's not resting in Christ. That's not being with him. Delight yourself in the Lord. That sounds like abiding to me. <laughs> Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. There it is again. Do not fret. You know, when I think of fret, now, this is just the mental picture I get. It may not be the mental picture. When I think of Fred, I think of... Do not fret. It only, <laughs> it only causes harm. Rest in the Lord. That sounds like abiding to me. Uh, some translations here will say, be still before the Lord. Rest in the Lord. This is not a Sunday afternoon rest. This is the rest that you have when you're working. This is the rest that you have all time. I can remember a friend of mine, Eric Carlson, was a good friend of mine in Sterling, Illinois. And, and I was just starting out as a preacher, and I was being asked to fill purpose, pulpits. I was still a high school teacher, and I was a lay person. I was asked, being, asked to fill pulpits, and he went with me once. And so this was probably like that. Second, third, fourth time I've ever preached. I, I was still a newbie and had no clue what I was doing. And, and so I remember the, the song service was going on and so forth. And, and I was on the front row. And, and uh, Eric and his wife, Bambi, were on the second row like where Bill is there. And he leaned up to me and goes, are you resting? Now, what do you mean by that? Did he mean Sunday afternoon nap? Did, it, did he mean 
Uh, am I tired and I'm resting? No, he, he, are you resting? Are you abiding? Are you dwelling? Are you chilling out in Jesus? Because if I chill out in Jesus, I will bear fruit. And I will, be, I will bear fruit, not because I will bear fruit. I will bear fruit because I'm resting in the vine. I'm abiding in the vine. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret. Here it is again. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. He shall, <clears throat> he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Commit your way to the Lord. Committing my way to the Lord sounds like abiding to me. Commit your way to the Lord. That come hell or high water, I'm in. I'm in this Jesus thing. You ever watched a, a, a Apollo launch or something like that? And they'll be counting down 10, 9, 8, you know. And then they'll get all the way down and the engines will start and they'll say, we have commit, we have commit. They've committed to this thing. This thing's going now. We can't stop it. That's, that's the kind of commitment that God wants. That I'm, I'm in this thing with both feet. And, and when, I, when, when I'm in this thing, I think I'm abiding. I'm, I'm dwelling. I'm in, man. I'm in him. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait, wait on the Lord, that sounds like uh, dwell, uh, abiding to me, friends. Waiting. Chilling out. Dwelling. Wait on the Lord. But those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. I've tried to tell you this morning that forcing fruit does not work. And in a well-meaning way, if you're trying to force the fruit of your Christianity, you are going to wear yourself out. How many pastors today don't make it to the end? They go off and sell life insurance because they were trying to force fruit. And they burnt themselves out because they were going to do something great for Jesus. And somehow... And doing something great, which is a noble goal, which is doing something great for Jesus, they did not stay connected. They did not stay connected. And when you get disconnected from the vine, all kinds of weird things happen in your life. The weird things that cost a pastor his pastor. But they were... Making a difference. Best thing you can do for your marriage is to abide in Christ. The best thing you can do as a mom or a dad is to abide in Christ. And this doesn't mean you never do anything, and this doesn't mean that you're lazy, but man, you're resting. You're dwelling. You're in Him. You're not fretting. You're waiting on the Lord. You're committing. You're trusting. 
Best thing you can do as a parent, as a grandparent, is to abide in Christ. The best thing you can do in your workplace is to abide in Christ. The best thing you can do for this church, really, is to abide in Christ. It's to rest in Him. It's to stay connected to the vine. Because if you abide in Christ, there'll be fruit. And what pastor doesn't want a church of a bunch of fruit-filled Christians? Jesus said, I am the true vine. And in some of his very last words to his disciples, he, say, he said, cling to me. Maybe that's why Jesus says in John 6, some really the weirdest words that are all in Scripture, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's just weird, isn't it? He says, cling to me, stick with me. Feed on me. Let me be your all in all. Don't try to force fruit. Because the fruit that you force will be faked or it will not be fruit of eternal significance. Because it won't be fruit that came from abiding. That's the fruit that glorifies the Father, it's said in the passage. Our servers are coming to the table and Man, I, I don't know. But maybe this is one of the reasons that Jesus gave us this thing that we're supposed to do whenever we get together of, of ingesting in us symbols of his broken body and shed blood. That this resting and dwelling and abiding and remaining and being at home with Jesus is, is pictured and symbolized by this thing that we call the Lord's Supper. Hey, I, I hope you don't go out and say, what in the world was he saying? What was he trying to say to us this morning? I... I don't have a step one, step two, step three. I know you don't. I'm just telling you to stay connected. Because being disconnected is a very scary thing. And the scripture says the disconnected branches are cut off. And they're thrown into the fire. Father, I, I just pray that in some supernatural way, You'll take these words that I stumbled through today and, and tried my very best to communicate. I, I just pray that you'll take them and you'll plant them in all of our hearts and you'll do something with them that is much greater than I can ever do in my communication skills. Would you teach us the highest calling for the Christian? Would you teach us the secret of the Christian life? to abide in the vine.
to stay connected to Jesus. Help us to do that in a world that's nuts and we're busy and it's hard to do. May we walk through our lives, even in the busyness of our lives, may we be connected. May we dwell. May we trust in you and do good. May we not fret. In Jesus' name, amen.